0: Recently, there has been a mass exodus of conservatives from social media platforms like Twitter, And Facebook. They are signing up for alternative social networks like Parler and MeWe. And we'll have links in the show notes to news articles all about this. Now, if your audience includes conservative readers, how should you navigate the splintering of social media? Well, that is exactly what we're going to talk about in this episode of Novel Marketing, the longest running book marketing podcast. In the world, this is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. I'm your host, CEO of Author Media and Professor of Book Marketing, Thomas Umstead Jr. And today we're going to talk about a potentially dicey subject. But as authors, we must react to the world as it is, and not as we wish it to be. We can't just hope that everyone will sit around a fire and sing Kumbaya if that is not indeed what they are doing. Authors who live in a mental fantasy land don't sell as many books as authors who see the world as it is. And society splintering is something that I've discussed from time to time on this podcast, and it's something that affects authors in several different ways. It affects how you market your books, it affects how you write your books, and it also affects how you interact with social media if you choose to interact with social media. Social media is totally optional for authors, but if you're wanting to use it, you're going to need to know how to navigate it as things are changing. Now I have listeners from and patrons from both extremes of the political spectrum, and people in the middle, and people in the "Don't talk to me about politics" camp. So this is going to be my best effort to give you the big picture of what's going on and what you need to do, if anything, as an author. Now, but and in, in enough. I will say real quick one last caveat, and that is several listeners have asked me for what my thoughts on this several masterminds have asked me for my thoughts on this and so I figured it's time to talk about MeWe and Parler. So what is happening? Social networking sites and other platforms like even MailChimp have expanded their missions from being kind of blank platforms that people use to gatekeepers that make decisions regarding what is true and what people can and cannot say and they're taking this role more seriously. They're taking on more responsibility for what content is posted and they're exerting more control over what is said. If you ask someone on the left, they will tell you that these platforms are fighting misinformation. And if you ask somebody on the right, they will tell you that these platforms are censoring speech. The left calls them fact checkers. The right calls them censors. Even having a conversation about this is challenging because we have a different vocabulary. So for instance, last week MailChimp kicked off a Tea Party group from its platform and is purging other accounts for political reasons. In fact, uh, if you're planning to keep using Mailchimp and you're a conservative, I recommend that you download your subscriber list every week as a CSV file just to make sure it's safe on your hard drive just in case you get taken out in one of MailChimp's purges. Otherwise, I encourage you to listen to my episode on how to pick the right email marketing service for you because I have not been recommending MailChimp for technical and business reasons. (laughs) There are cheaper alternatives out there like MailerLite and there are easier alternatives out there like ConvertKit. So I don't actually like MailChimp from a technical perspective. And if you are conservative, then there is a concern that they may kick you out anyway. So be careful about that. (laughs) So uh, as for Facebook and Twitter and Google... There's a Senate hearing. I'll link to the video if you want to watch it. Uh, But my assumption is is that you already have an opinion about censorship, whether it exists, whether it doesn't exist, and I'm not going to change your opinion, and so I'm not going to try. Ultimately, it doesn't matter how you feel. You may love Facebook. You may hate Twitter, or you may uh, hate Facebook, and it doesn't matter. It only matters how your readers feel. Ultimately, as an author, it's all about serving your readers. And you may have no problem with social media sites censoring content. You may think that it's noble for them to fight misinformation. But if your readers are leaving for these other platforms and you don't follow them, you're going to lose contact with those readers. And so some of you listening are like, good riddance, <laughs> good riddance to bad rubbish. Another of you are like, I need those readers. Those readers buy my books and they're how I you know, feed my family. So I do think that this is an opportunity for growth. Most authors are going to ignore these new social networks, and they're going to see, I suspect, a corresponding drop in their reach and their influence, depending on their readership. If your readership leans heavily to the left, you may not see much of a drop. Whereas if your readership leans heavily to the right, let's say you're writing Christian books for a Christian audience, which uh, at least evangelicals lean strongly to the right, you're going to see sig- potentially a significant drop in your social media reach. If you navigate these turbulent waters of change correctly, you'll be poised for sudden growth and influence and a growth in your platform. And if you want to get a lot of followers quickly, joining Parlor and MeWe right now is a lot like joining Twitter back in 2008. It was easy to get a lot of followers back then. I remember because I was there. People would sign up for Twitter and just listen. They would go months without posting anything, just reading the posts that other people posted. There were a lot fewer people talking and a lot more people listening, which actually made it a really good platform for authors. Uh, One author I've worked with switched to Parler a few days ago, and he already has 900 Followers. Another client I've worked with switched to Parlor back in June, and she has 57,000 followers already on Parlor. There is a lot to be said about getting in on these new social networks early so that you can experience that growth. It's kind of like buying a stock in a company uh, before it gets big, right? If you could go back in time and buy stock in Apple or go back in time and buy stock in Amazon, wouldn't you? Now, what if that stock was free, which is what signing up for these platforms is like? From a purely pragmatic perspective, Twitter and Facebook are full. Uh, No one is looking to follow someone new on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, In fact, most people are looking to unfollow. There's not too much noise on those platforms. In fact, both Twitter and Facebook, as a way of trying to fight the noise problem, use artificial intelligence to filter what you see. So you don't see everything that your friends are posting. You only see the things that Twitter and Facebook think would be interesting to you. And that algorithm has a big impact on how you feel about that platform. If you're like, I really appreciate Twitter filtering out all the noise, you may really like Twitter. Whereas if you think that that's a politically motivated algorithm, you may not like Twitter. But as someone who's trying to sell books, you're getting filtered, especially on Facebook. You can only expect about 3% of your followers to see something that you post on Facebook. Whereas on these other platforms, they're not doing any filtering. And so 100% of your followers have a chance to see your content. And a lot of them are there just to listen, like I said. So if you're wanting to get into these new social networks, even from just a purely pragmatic perspective, here are the three steps I recommend you go through. Step one is to claim your name. If you write for a conservative or a mixed readership, I recommend that at the very least you sign up for Parler and MeWe right away and you reserve your username. So if somebody goes to MeWe.com forward slash your name, it goes to a page that you can control. This is a one time work. You go there, you sign up, and then you're done. <laughs> and I'll have links if you want to follow Novel Marketing on Parlor. We also have a MeWe page and a MeWe group. And I will point out, though, for Parlor, you're limited to one account per phone number. So while I was able to get at Thomas Umstat and I got at Author Media, I was not able to get at Novel Marketing because I don't have enough phone numbers <laughs> to get at Novel Marketing. That's step 1, claim your name. This is just a good rule of thumb really with every social network uh, just to help protect your brand. Step 2 is to cross post. This means that whatever you're posting to Facebook, you post to MeWe, and whatever you post to Twitter, you post to Parlor, or maybe you're posting the same content to both of these platforms. This is not very much extra work. It's just a quick copy and paste. It's minimum effort, but it, it will ensure that you'll have the maximum audience for your content moving forward and you're not suddenly losing this drop-off in audience. Now, step three does require more work and that is to post tailored content. So I've been in this business for a long time and I've seen a lot of social networks rise and fall. I remember the beginnings of MySpace. (laughs) I remember Zanga. I remember when Facebook was only for college students. And one of the things that every social network inevitably does is it develops its own culture, almost its own dialect or accent. And long term, if you want to create really effective social content for a social network, it needs to be tailored for that social network. Now, both Parler and MeWe are early enough where they haven't really developed that dialect. It's like the colonies in the early days where someone's accent had more to do with where they came from in England than where they were living at the time. But over time, the accents up in the north and in New England were different than the accents down in the south. In fact, it is speculated amongst historians that the southern accent is actually the closest to the uh, what the British accent uh, sounded like back in the 1700s. I don't know if that's true, but I've heard it speculated, and I don't know how you would prove it, actually, since there was no recordings. But that is neither here nor there. So let's talk about parlour and MeWe, and let's start by talking about what authors need to know about parlour. Parlor presents itself as a platform for free speech. They commit in their community guidelines to be, quote, viewpoint neutral, unquote. So they're not in the business of policing what is said, and if it's true or not. And more importantly for authors, Parler doesn't curate content at all. There's no algorithm to game, because there's no algorithm. The posts are posted in the order that they are posted. And when a new post is posted, it pushes the old posts down. Users have full control over what they see, and they have full control over what they post. And frankly, this is a lot how Facebook and Twitter used to work back when they were better platforms for book promotion. Uh, In short, Parler won't hide your post about your new book like Facebook does, and they're not going to charge you to reach your own fans. I did see a Gizmodo report uh, claiming that uh, Parler had a rule against obscene language. I couldn't find this in any of Parler's rules as I was digging through them, and I'd actually... Frankly, I'd love to see a social network that had a rule against obscene language. Uh, letting people cuss at each other doesn't seem to be conductive uh, for civil discourse. And I know I sound like a dad when I say this, but I'm a dad now, and if you can't say it without cussing, perhaps you shouldn't say it. And a social network uh, based around that philosophy might be end up being a popular social network. But that's not how Parler is from what I can tell. Uh, my guess is that Parler flags any post with bad language as sensitive content. So every time you create a post on Parler, there's a little checkbox that says, is this sensitive content? And it will hide sensitive content from everyone who hasn't opted in to seeing sensitive content. So by default, you don't see sensitive content, but you can just toggle that on and off, which gives the user a lot of control over what they see. Uh, In terms of features, Parler is basically a clone of Twitter. Uh, You're limited to a thousand characters, so you get about four times as many characters as Twitter. And other than that, hashtags work the same. Everything else works more or less the same. One nice difference is that it's a lot easier to get a verified account right now. So if you've been wanting that little blue checkmark on Twitter and Twitter doesn't think you're notable enough, well, all Parler requires is that you prove that you're a real human being by showing a government ID along with a photo of your face. And I will say, speaking of proving that you're a real human being, I have never seen a social network with a stronger anti-bot policy. Every time I log in, I have to type in a CAPTCHA, and I have to do an SMS two-factor authentication. (laughs) So get a little code sent to my phone. So while this is annoying, it does ensure that I'm interacting with real humans, because as much as half of the people that you interact with, at least half of the strangers that you interact with on Facebook and Twitter, may be artificial intelligence. The AI has gotten so good that it's almost impossible to tell a real human from a fake human. They can even make uh, photos of themselves. And if you don't believe me, just go to thispersondoesnotexist.com and you'll see machine learning, AI-generated photographs of people that are not real. And you can't tell the difference. It's really crazy. And if they can do that with a photo, they can do that with text. But it's hard for a bot to get a phone number because phone numbers cost money and bots are poor (laughs) in in general. Uh, Parler is also growing just crazy fast. In just the last month, Parler's gone from half a million users to over four million active users. That is doubling and then doubling and then doubling again all in one month. I don't think Facebook ever doubled three times In one month. That is just an insane rate of growth. And maybe why Parler has such strong limitations on bots right now, because their servers are probably pressed to the maximum. So they don't want a bunch of bots getting in there and taking up precious server resources when they have this just massive flood of humans flooding in. And I remember in the early days, there was a big like badge of honor if you got on Twitter before Oprah or after Oprah, right? Because at the early days, Twitter was this like fringe thing that only the nerds were doing and all the authors were making fun of it. And, and then Oprah got on Twitter and then it became cool, she, like single-handedly make Twitter cool. And so uh, she's not on Parler from what I can tell. So you have a chance to get on Parler before Oprah does. <laughs> so um, yeah, take that for what it's worth. So in terms of monetization, I don't know uh, how Parler plans to make money, but with as many active users as they have, the answer is likely going to be the same as it is with every other social network that's out there, except for one, that it's going to be advertising. So, But like I said earlier, right now, I don't see any advertising. I think they're, they're so new, they haven't tried to advertise. So they're very much like Twitter in 2008, where there was no advertising on Twitter. But I imagine it will come. Ultimately, they're going to have to pay for those servers somehow. And like I said before, and this is important to point out, Parler only allows for one account per phone number, so keep that in mind as you sign up. Uh, In terms of the culture, like Twitter, Parler is very news-centric right now, so if you are writing nonfiction or on very news-centric topics, I think the culture of Parler will be a better fit for you, but this may or may not be a right fit for your brand depending on what you write. So if you're not on Twitter now, you may not want to be on Parler any more than reserving your name which by the way, I recommend you reserve your name on Twitter too, just to make sure you own your name everywhere you can. But if you're not doing Twitter, you may not want to do Parler. So now let's talk about MeWe, MeWe MeWe.com. What authors need to know about MeWe. Uh, MeWe's actually been around for a while, and for a long time it presented itself, and to this day, it presents itself as the privacy platform. And what that means is that they don't sell your data, So one of the ways Facebook makes money is that they sell your data to advertisers, and they also sell you to advertisers, your eyeballs, your attention. And Twitter does the same thing. Facebook has a ton of data, tracks you as you move. It may or may not listen to you. They claim that they don't listen to you, but a lot of people say that they get surprisingly, eerily accurate ads on Facebook after they've talked about something and that's how they make their money. MeWe, on the other hand, makes their money from their users. And you may be like, I'm not going to pay for social network. Well, don't worry. MeWe doesn't charge everyone. It's free. You can sign up for MeWe for free. But for $5 a month, you can get a special premium membership, which gives you that little blue checkmark. <laughs> so to have a verified account on Twitter, you have to have a PR firm and you have to be on TV. To have a verified account on Parler, you have to have show some government ID to have a verified account on MeWe, it costs you $5 a month. So it's not a ton of money, but it's also not nothing. And it will probably be enough for them to make really good money. Because if you have you know, a tiny fraction of your users paying you $5 a month, that is enough to fund your business. Also, if you want to set up a business page, it's $1.99 a month which again, it's like, wow, that's a lot of money. But if you think about how much money you've spent boosting posts on Facebook, you're probably already spending more than that on Facebook to reach the fans you already have when MeWe lets you do it for free or for 199 if you're setting up a page for, for a business account. So if you have a publishing company, you want that publishing company to have a name in the publishing company's name, you know, Acme Publishing is 199 a month. But as an author, you can set up a free profile on your own name, for free. And since MeWe makes its money from the handful of users who do pay, they have no incentive to sell your data, uh, which makes you the customer, <laughs> and which is a totally different philosophy. And I really like this philosophy of the users are our customers rather than the users are our products that we're selling. So philosophically, I really like MeWe. In terms of features and interface, MeWe is more of a clone of Facebook than it's a clone of Twitter. You can create pages and groups that work just like on Facebook. You can also create events uh, that are similar to how they work on Facebook. In fact, we have a novel marketing group on MeWe, and because growth is crazy without me really announcing it, we already have a lot of members. <laughs> and I'll have a link in the show notes if you want to follow novel marketing. We have both a page and a group. I paid for a page. On MeWe, and I'm experimenting with all these social networks. I try to dabble in every social network to see if it's worth recommending to authors. Now, I will say I have dabbled in TikTok and in social networks I've not mentioned on this podcast because I have not yet found a way that I can recommend authors to use TikTok as a way of selling more books. It's uh, just not a good format for that. But if I find a way, or if you found a way, and you can prove that you've sold books on TikTok, do let me know. TikTok, though, seems to be more geared for other things and other kinds of people. Uh, from what I can tell in terms of culture, MeWe is less political than Parlor. It's more a place for people to leave, you know, Facebook and talk about life, post photos of their kids, that sort of thing. Uh, I imagine there's going to still be political conversations on MeWe, just like there is on Facebook, but it's it's less news-centric than Parlor is, and, and more kind of geared around community, and I suspect more conducive for more authors. So while some authors have used Twitter, more authors use Facebook, and MeWe is going to be more like Facebook. On the other hand, a lot of authors use Facebook as an advertising platform, and you will never be able to do that on MeWe because you can't pay to advertise. So using MeWe in 2020 is going to be a lot more like using Facebook in 2010, where you have to earn followers by posting interesting things and being an interesting person. And then once you've earned that follower, they see all of your posts. It's like old school social media from back when I was a kid. And if they maintain that, it may actually be kind of like going back to classic Coca-Cola. We will see. So bottom line, as for the new social networks, I think signing up and reserving your name and cross-posting the content you're already posting is a no-brainer. Uh, the authors who do this may see a big jump in their followers because of just the massive growth. And and I think some of this is regional. I live in Texas, but I live in Austin, Texas, so it's an interesting confluence, but I am seeing just a huge number of people that I live around signing up uh, for Parlor, especially, but also uh, for MeWe. And uh, of the two, I like MeWe better, uh, but this is likely because I preferred Facebook to Twitter back in the day. But I also really like the, our users are our customers philosophy. And I'm thinking about moving the obscure no more students only Facebook group to MeWe uh, for this reason. And also for science, for experiments, to see how does a Facebook group operate on MeWe? Does it work better for things like a book launch, right? So Facebook sells your Facebook friend data to Amazon, which means that they may delete your reviews of somebody who's in the same Facebook group as you. And so if you create your Facebook group for your book launch on Facebook, there is a risk that some of those reviews might get deleted, depending on if Amazon has attached your personal Facebook account to your Amazon account, if they've been able to to connect that data through data brokers. Whereas MeWe doesn't sell your data, which means if you host your book launch team On MeWe, you're guaranteed not to have Amazon delete your reviews because of social proximity because they don't know. Amazon doesn't know that these readers are in your launch team, which is really good. And I feel that, you know, I signed up for Facebook back when it was college students only. And I taught on Facebook for years at writers' conferences because in the day, you really could build a platform on Facebook, it wasn't a great way to build your platform. You were better off blogging and doing email and the things I talk about more. But it wasn't bad, especially in the heyday uh, when Facebook was growing really quickly. You could reach a lot of readers really inexpensively and without a whole lot of effort. And when Facebook did that big pivot back in, I want to say it was 2012 when they started. 2015 it really took off. Of those users that you paid to reach were now going to charge you to reach them. It really felt like a bait and switch. And I realize it made them one of the wealthiest companies in the world, but it's made marketing on Facebook very expensive. Now, I'm not trying to be preachy or didactic, and I'm not trying to say that you've got to switch. And it may be not worth it for you, depending on your target readership. What I'm trying to do is help authors navigate this turbulent time in history. And when I recommend that authors leave MailChimp, I never anticipated that MailChimp would start banning or purging accounts for political reasons. Now, I will say, every time I talk about culture or politics or even politically adjacent topics, I get angry emails and I lose patrons. My episode on how to survive cancel culture as an author cost me several patrons and I got some very mean emails. And I have no doubt I will get angry emails for this episode as well. You can reach me at thomas at authormedia.com. And I really do want to hear your feedback. Um, Try to be nice if you give feedback, but I do want to hear your thoughts. And for the record, I still stand behind everything I said in the How to Survive Cancel Culture as an Author episode. I am, as I have always been, in favor of free speech and against book burning and book banning and censorship. I didn't think this would be a controversial position, but apparently in 2020, it is. Our sponsor today is the Author Media Mastermind Groups. If you'd like to work with me personally on helping you hit your publishing goals, the mastermind groups are a very affordable way to do that. Each mastermind group is limited to 10 authors and and you will not just get to know me but also get to know those other authors. You'll be able to text me your questions through Slack and we have video calls. It's really a great way if you're wanting to take your publishing to the next level. You can find out more at authormedia.com. Our featured patron today is John Schruger, author of The Exorcism of Frosty the Snowman. Last week we talked about an advent book for Christmas, now it's a book about The Exorcism of Frosty the Snowman. We have some great patrons here for this podcast. In the, uh, here's the blurb for The Exorcism of Frosty the Snowman. In the frozen north, children link hands in a ritual circle and sing a song they never learned to summon a primordial enemy they never knew existed. Frosty is just a fairy tale, they say they were wrong. So thank you, John Schruger, for being a patron of the podcast. If you would like to become a patron of the podcast, I'll have a link in the show notes. And if you can't afford to become a patron, I get it. It's a tough year. Uh, but if you still want to help the show, you can. One way is to just share this episode on a MeWe group or on a Facebook group with other authors you think would benefit. And it'll say, on a personal note, today is my birthday. Uh, as I record this, I am turning 35 years old, and I'm thinking lots of deep thoughts about my future, about my present. Am I doing the right thing with my life? And um, yeah, just, just uh, pondering pondering a lot of things. This has been a, a tough year for my family, and it's been a tough year for a lot of families. So I don't feel like I have any room to <laughs> complain, because everyone is is going through it. I'm really hoping 2021 will be better, but you never know. (laughs) So anyway, our team working on this episode, Shauna Latelier, was creating the blog post, and William Umstat, my brother, is doing the editing for the podcast. And I am your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr., and you've been listening to Novel Marketing. To find the blog version of this episode or to get new episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit authormedia.com. Thank you for listening, and live long and prosper.